You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's now time for our main event. Take a trip back in time to the golden era of the wrestling world with your host, Chris Tetrold Blaine. Welcome to Once Upon a Turnbuckle. Hi everyone and welcome to uh, another edition of Once Upon a Turnbuckle. So it's been so long, I've been kind of taking the summer off, but I've come back, not just, this isn't like the last one, but I've come back for a very, very special reason. Um, there's a one of my all-time favourite matches, one of my all-time favourite events, probably still the greatest pay-per-view in history, in my eyes. It's coming up and celebrating its 30th anniversary soon. And there's only one person that I could welcome back onto the show to talk about it, Stephen Bell, author of the immense Dynamite and Davy just behind me. Um, how are you doing, sir? Welcome to Once Upon Turnbuckle. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I'm glad to be back. Like I said, I just really wanted to um, really wanted to do something a bit special for this. It's such an iconic 30th event. It's only going to come yeah. around sort of sort of once, is this? Especially with it being so close to the to the release of the book. I just really wanted to uh, to do some up for it. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm glad that you can accommodate me for this. No worries. And I didn't have it to hand when I spoke to you last time, but there we go. Not sure I did actually. No, I don't think it had been released yet. So I was, I was, I was so excited, you know, there we go. One of the, I've said in my review, if one of, if not the best wrestling book I've read in, in so long, it's such a fantastic book. Um, Firstly, how how are things go, how have things been? How what's your world been like since this has been released? So you know, how how's well, it been received? Um, it, it's been received above and beyond anything that I anticipated. Um, I think this I, I can't remember how much of this we discussed last time, but um, getting it over the line was a real challenge this time around. We had some challenges and um, I, I didn't have any of that with my previous two books. My previous two books, um, it was just a matter of excitement to see it out there, to see it in people's hands. It's such a thrill. Yeah. Um, and so when the good reviews started coming in, it was just a bonus, really. Mm. Whereas this one, because of the challenges that we'd had uh, and almost, as far as to say, accusations about its sort of... Um, the motivations behind it, yeah. which you know, I, I, I was clear from my motivations from the very start that it wasn't going to be nothing but positive about both guys. Mm. Um, what that meant was that I'd got so much extra pressure, not just for me, but for the, those that had put so much faith in me, the likes of Bronwyn and Ross Art. Um, they put so much faith in me to deliver something that I declared from the start would be positive overall, while still challenging those negative aspects and those controversies. Um, that, but it's so easy when you're so embroiled in a project for 18 months like a what it's easy to sort of lose a little bit of perspective or yeah. 
nobody knows the story as good as you do. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. much research. So I'm thinking, well, to some people, it might appear negative. Those who only know the, the you know, hmm. who only know the British Bulldog for SummerSlam Night yeah. 2 or whatever it might be. Hmm. Uh, whereas what I felt is that anybody who'd read the various other books that are out there that mention the guys or the see the show interviews or mm. uh, know a lot about sort of the the, the negative side, uh, the reputation that got built up about Dynamite over the years, not so much Davey because he, mm. he was always such a popular guy, yeah. um, but obviously stumbled across controversies in his life. Mm. Um, so to different people, it was going to appear differently on that spectrum of positive or negative and things like that. And, it, yeah. and so what I know is obviously the people who, knew the story well your your people who were going to be reviewing the book the wrestling journalists your big wrestling fans who had read all the books and seen mm. the documentaries that, it, that the guys were mentioned in yeah. it were their opinions that really counted and were going to be where i, I knew uh, whether i'd got it right or wrong whether i'd yeah. tread that line right because it, the other side of it was if i'd have gone too far the other way and it had been classed as a puff piece and it had been yeah. a whitewashing, it had ignored any controversies. Mm. I don't think people would have even finished it. They'd have thrown it, <laughs> they'd have thrown it on, yeah. uh, on fire, wouldn't they? You know, it, yeah. it wouldn't have been good as toilet paper at that point <laughs> because just, you, people, it, it were, I think enough of the negative aspects were spoke about before where it, it was sort of known that they were out there. So mm. I felt so much pressure. I, I didn't, I, I almost, it, it ruined the, the build up to the release because I was so nervous talking yeah. like, you know, losing sleep and things like that about, um, about how it was going to be received. And then when the review started coming in, so overwhelmingly positive, especially mentioning what a tribute it was to both guys. Mm. Um, it meant so much to me. Um, Job done. And I know it meant so much to Ross and Bronwyn as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, it, um, I enjoyed more. I think the, the, the worldwide release, um, which was just sort of maybe six weeks, six or seven weeks ago now, right. um, that enabled me to sort of enjoy it with more confidence, see more and more reviews coming in, more and more sales getting made. And, um, you know, by then it had been so overwhelmingly positively reviewed by people like Dave Meltzer, Mike yeah. Johnson, John Pollock. And, um, and then ultimately, as you know, this weekend, Mick Foley put... Uh, I and it put, a, put an essay on about it. Yeah, I, I heard through the grapevine, by the way. The reason that he read it so far, he put on his, um, he put on his review, which is on his Facebook page, mm. that he read it in three sittings. Now I know why. That's because he's doing his stand-up show that he does, his one-man show. Yeah, you're in Australia, he's isn't he? In Australia and New Zealand, as it is, so he's had some long flights. Yeah. So he's been reading it on his flights. Now, what I heard before I put the review on, mm. What I heard through the grapevine was that he'd actually been speaking about it on during his shows to the audience. He'd been wow. telling the about it during his shows. Now, what my thought is, I, I know what it's like to read a book that really means a lot to you and sticks with you for a long time, and you can't yeah. wait to talk about it to people. And I thought that's what's happened. Oh, it's really stuck with him. It's meant yeah. a lot to him. And when he's got on stage with a microphone in his hand, he ain't been able to help himself but talk about it. I class that as like at the time the ultimate compliment. Yeah. Anything beyond that were just great. And then a few days later, it was actually you that it were you. Oh, as, as, as I say, I, about it first. I can, because I always stop whenever I see the cover, I always stop because, you know, I'm such a good fan of the, of 
the book and knowing you as well now i i stop and i i see what people are saying about it and then i saw his face behind it i was like <laughs> took me a moment and then i saw because so yeah i messaged you and i said wow this is the main congratulations you did you, a screenshot yeah you a screenshot you just caught the final line um saying dynamite and davy is an exceptional book yeah i hope you will all take the time to go and read it or whatever is put yeah um so I thought that's all he'd put. I thought that right. that post. So when I fired, <laughs> I was actually off Facebook at the time. I had to re-sign up to Facebook just to see it. <laughs> I had to fire my account back up just to see it. <laughs> so when I did, I realised that it just carried scrolling yeah. and scrolling and there were more and more and more. I couldn't fit the whole thing on. Team actually mentioned me by name. Yeah. What, a, what a brilliant job he thought I'd done. Uh, it were above and beyond anything I ever thought. You know, I know that... Um, I won't mention any names, it's up to them if they want to speak about it publicly, but I know I know at least another two extremely household names have read it. And so far, what I know that the responses has been overwhelmingly good. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd, I'd like obviously something similar from them, but if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, hey, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm guessing your reaction to when I messaged you, you, you had no idea, you weren't expecting that. You had no idea. Did you have any idea you had it? Or I knew we had it. I knew we had it. Yeah. Um, because I'd already, heard great, I'd already heard a great vine about yeah. it, being um, two thirds way into it and all this, right. and, and talking about it on this show in Australia. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, it, it weren't like it weren't a huge shock, but it's still the fact that uh, you've gone through the trouble. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, to, still see, to still see it was extraordinarily sur surreal. Yeah, and and like yeah, you say, the fact that he wrote half a book on his around, post, basically. I wrote it housewarming, obviously it were a lovely little sunny day and um, but everybody had sort of splintered off into little groups and I went round ruining loads of people's conversations. <laughs> look at this, look at this, look at this. Uh, some of them were reacted exactly how me and you would react. Yeah. To know exactly what it were and what it meant. Yeah. Some of them didn't have a clue who, uh, who this man was or what he had in his hand, but <laughs> there you go. Jumped on, frame that, frame that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's been amazing to see the success that it's had so far, and you know, it's it's going to be really good to see where else it can go. Well, but, speaking of that, actually, uh, sorry to interrupt, but, no, uh, go on. I'm almost finished recording the audio version of the book, which oh, of course, uh, yeah, that's only happening because of the success. You know, it's not um, it's not sort of a cheap thing to do in mm. uh, publishing it in audio format in full. Mm. Uh, the amount of production and things that are involved but yeah. based on the success of the book so far the publishers decided to go for it so yeah I'm almost finished that so anybody that's um, like me an avid listener of books mm. rather than reader of books at times just because of um, time constraints and your yeah. life and things uh, yeah um, you'll awesome. be able to get that in a, in a few are you doing that you're doing the narration yourself I am yeah awesome okay it's, well it is I mean I'm a, I'm enjoying doing it and I'm mm. I'm not far off done, um, and I'm getting. I've got more and more comfortable with it as I've gone on. But the bit that's sort of because I'm such an avid reader of, of audiobooks, and they're generally so brilliantly read by yeah. people like Stephen Fry. Who yeah, it's a pretty big shoes to fill there. Puts a subtle voice on and accents for every different character. I mean, I just couldn't even contemplate doing that. <laughs> so I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm sorry, but Brett Brett Hart has got. <laughs> has got a Yorkshire accent in this book and you just and you're sure always gonna have to live with it. I'm sure we can get past that. Uh, no, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And and it brings us back to why we're here today, you know, Davy's story carries on. Um 
I mean, it's, it's obviously with the WWE coming back over here in a few weeks' time, um, with another major pay-per-view, the first one for 30 years, we're here to talk about the one that happened 30 years ago. Um, we had the initial idea we were going to sit here and, and watch the whole event, and then we decided, actually, that's probably not the most interesting thing for the viewers and listeners to, to really experience as much as I would have liked, loved to have done it. Um, so what we are going to do is we are going to both... We're going to do a little bit of a watch-along. So for those watching in video, you will be able to see um, see the match taking place um, as we talk about it. Those in audio, you'll just have to listen and absorb, and we'll you know be reminiscing. And I'll be interested, really, in, in your take on the event, what's happening, because you probably got a, a bit more sort of inside knowledge about yeah, that. Look, I'll look forward to chatting about that, especially how it all came about, um, mm. what happened in the build-up, you know, David Walls. Um, out of sorts, injured um, mm. in the build-up, uh, and so obviously that research that I've done, I know quite yeah. a lot how all that came about. And so yeah, I'm happy to talk about all that. Cool, because it's it's it still remains. This is probably for me getting into wrestling late in '91, early '92. This this is the event that really sticks out in my mind is the ah, one my childhood revolved around. I think I think it's the event that sealed the deal for what happened with Britain's relationship with the mm. WWF, Sky TV's relationship with the WWF, yeah. uh, and ultimately everything going forward in terms of um, giving pro wrestling a place mm. in the UK. It had lost its way. Yeah. It only had, it, at that point, it only really had any kind of mainstream. It was WWF. Mm. Yeah. That could have waned, especially as we went into the mid-90s and, um, the WWF lost a bit of direction, and mm. but it was this event I think ingrained it in people's mind. Davy mm. and Brett especially, um, yeah, and Darlings, yeah, whatever. Uh, well, they had they had this was round about the time I think that Slam Jam the single was out, if I remember rightly, or maybe just after. Right, yeah. So you know, riding the wave, I had it. I've got it again. I've, I've reinvested in it recently <laughs> just because I absolutely love it. Um. You know, it, it, it the the riding the mainstream wave off the back of uh, particularly this event, um, and it got to that point where they 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 were so popular they could pack out Wembley Stadium. I mean, oh, yeah. it was no no mean feat. Childhood memories of the event. Um, let's let's start there, shall we? Really, oh, I think actually you're slightly older than me. I think I might say maybe <laughs> maybe only by weeks or months. Maybe yeah. How old were you in 92 when this took place? In, in August 92, I would have been just about to turn seven. I would have been just before my seventh. Okay, yeah, so I was eight. Yeah, just over just over eight. But, I mean, were, were you, just remind me, were you a wrestling fan at that point? I think, I think I've got to have been, purely because I remember... I remember the Hulk Hogan era in the mm. back of my mind. I remember, I remember Andre the Giant from being a child and actually being on the screen. The problem yeah. is, I think, with that is you're not sure how how much of a delay or lag the war in what in the Sky TV coverage. Mm. So I'm, I'm never quite sure what I was watching or what I was exposed to at different times. Um, what I do remember, and I write this in the opening of the book, is. WrestleMania 8, which was, um, so that, that was, that would have been the April 
yeah. before this event. Yeah. Uh, that's when Brett regained the IC title from Roddy Piper. Mm. That, and again, I'm not sure when I watched it in terms of how current it was or if it had already been out a while. But that is one of my earliest memories. That match is one of, if not my earliest, vivid memory. Yeah. Um, so that will be for this. So yeah. I know that I were a fan. I know that I had the Asbros. I know I had the Andre. Yeah. Bro. So I've got to have been, again, how current it was at that time um, mm. to what I was watching and experiencing. Uh, yeah. I don't know. At what point I first saw this event and this match again, I'm not 100%. No, I, I can't remember when I first saw it. I know my cousin was there. So I remember being very jealous. And then when I, the next time I saw him after the event, which probably was a few months after, he showed me he had bought, when he was there, he had bought the LOD foam shoulder pads. He had bought the Bret Hart sunglasses. He had his ticket stub back then when tickets actually had a picture on it and everything to commemorate it. Um, yeah, very, very jealous. And this was the one videotape actually that I I would treasure for years. And it's Just, strange, isn't it? Because I honestly don't think, you know, there's the Clash at the Castle coming up. I don't think there is anything that could possibly happen yeah. That would mean that in 30 years' time, there's people no. talking about that like we're talking about. Listen, no, no, you can't possibly do it. And it's just, it was just a, of its time. Um, yeah, it, it were a pop culture phenomenon that can't be repeated. I don't think. No I think what. this, the whole event, I think the way the more I thought about it, the way they set it up was it was a fans, it was win win for the fans, really, because I can't think of any other event where you had a double main event where it was for good guys. You know, you had you had Savage against the Warrior right, in the middle, and and Bret and the Bulldog. I don't think you know the two top titles, the Babyface, the complete Babyface matches. Yeah, you're right. I've thought yeah. about it. Actually. The yeah, Flair with a wild card. One for obviously he came and got involved. Um, yeah, so nobody knew which way you were gonna. I didn't. What were your thoughts? And just very quickly on the whole Mister Perfect being in the corner. I never bought that. I don't understand why they, why either one of them, why we would believe that either one of them would want Mr. Perfect in his corner. I think the problem is he, he was just TV gold, wasn't he? And mm. um, he obviously had a lot of injuries at the time and they just needed to get him on TV and preferably yeah. in and around the main event. I mean, I don't know about you, but I always remember probably even thinking it as a youngster and I certainly think it now when I view it um, aesthetically. Mm. He's supposed to be at this time. He's supposed to be uh, in and around this time. He's supposed to be almost Flair's manager. Now, yeah. you look at them, you've got a man in his 40s and clearly in his 40s, you mm. know, he's, he's looking every bit of that. At that yeah, time. yeah. He's smaller than, yeah. uh, smaller than Kurt Ennig. Kurt stacked, Flair's not. He, aesthetically, if you get on a minute, yeah. Which one's the wrestler and which one's the manager here? You mean to tell me that he couldn't take him at any point? Right. <laughs> it just, I don't know. It was, it was odd. It was an odd pair. They worked well together. I just didn't get the whole... Having them involved in the match was one thing, but how they we were supposed to believe that Savage yeah. and Warrior were trying to convince him to be in their corner. That, you know, they've been at each other's throats for weeks, you know, like those four. Why would... Why would perfect be yeah, there to help anyone well i think it, it, a lot of it to do with the ogan situation as well mm. 
they were eventually trying to shoe on in eventually a Hogan mm. Flair feud, but Hogan was, you know, in and around him, a bit of controversy surrounding him at the time. Yeah, yeah I think it just um they had to think on their feet. It, 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 it were a bit square pegs in round holes. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think I think they had uh, the talent that they wanted to get in them positions, but not necessarily in that order. No. Event of this magnitude with Ric Flair not actively on the card, I think. Yeah, when he were there as well, you know, it's mm. um, it's odd. But there we go. There we go. Uh, apart from the obvious one, then uh, Burton the Bulldog, what was your f- other favourite match of the card? Do you remember? I think it's got to be that one, just purely because the, there's, there's a bit of a feeling. I, lo- I love that they gave the, the Undertaker the full, huge pomp mm. and ceremony for yeah. it. Um, and what, again, I just think the production of the old show is fantastic. Like it starts, bearing in mind it's Open Air Stadium. You don't mm. often get that level of no. sunshine in the UK. <laughs> so, anyway, so so when the event starts with um, Money Inc. and LOD and in these sort of matches, whilst I think there is a, the, there's an argument to be made that the there's a little bit of going through the motions. I think mm. um, there's nothing special about any performances in the early stages. No, or I don't think any of it. I don't think any of the matches except Brett and Bulldog. If I'm honest, I don't think any of them. Um, pull up any trees or, or do no. anything extra special. They just go through the motions. But I think because it was such a rarity to have them, to have these superstars in the UK, mm. in that setting at that time, in mm. Wembley Stadium, to start off in the blazing sunshine, yeah, um, created some really iconic mo- iconic uh, visuals. Mm. And then as the event went on, I think, obviously, the sunsets and it's like all it was great really so, cosmic sky all purple yeah. that timed perfectly for the undertakers yeah entrance, which, which the, the give the full pomp and ceremony to uh let the uk fans have that full experience which mm. is great but again him and kamala probably just do go through the motions it's quite a short match ends in an la and disqualification yeah yeah there is uh, not, so I, again i think, I think there were more i think they'll far more um, about the far more about the spectacle than mm. any kind of wrestling event yeah. apart from the main event and then they made up for everything and, and yeah. because they because they were so spectacular and that match is so spectacular any other limitations that the others have are instantly forgotten about I think yeah that's time. true that's true right. I um my only because I didn't see it on pay-per-view I didn't see a recording of it my first watch of it is on VHS so I grew up thinking all these other matches which people didn't see like the six man tag with Jim Duggan and the Bushwhackers and Nasties and the Mountie I thought everyone knew that they were on there but there's people today that's like oh, I can't wait to see when they release the, the new one or when it's on the, the network or whatever can't wait to see El, El Matador against Papa Shango I was like Christ that was one of my favourite matches back then you know <laughs> yeah. I thought everyone has seen that one I, I think <laughs> I think there, there were a certain element of um, just throwing, I think it was probably the standard sort of house show matches that were happening yeah. at the time. You know, um, and I, I think in terms of performance and the card that was set up, I think they probably treated it a lot like that. Mm. And I think it's only because we know what happens in the main event and we know, especially through my research and everything, and mm. there's so many more layers to to why they um, pulled out all the stops yeah. in that way. And yeah, especially 
Brett being such a student of of wrestling and knowing, I think he understood more than probably anybody else on the card exactly what that was going to mean mm. and how um, iconic it could be. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the and there happened. we go. And, and we're left with a masterpiece, which we won't waste too, too much longer. We'll get into it in a second. I've, I've just, um, I hinted there was a couple of things that I've found just going through my newsfeed, which I thought was worth mentioning. Um, so obviously, by the time this episode goes out, we'll be a couple of days shy. This is my intention. It will be a couple of days shy of the actual 30th anniversary of SummerSlam 92, um, which is on the 29th of August, if I've got my got that right. Yeah. But as, as we sat recording, bring down the fourth wall, 18th of August. So some British Bulldog anniversaries. So 29 years ago, he was part of the Shockmasters debut. <laughs> Is that today? Yesterday. Wow, 29, 29 years ago. So, you know, a little under a year after the best. Let, let's actually. let's have a watch along of that. Eh? <laughs> That'd be amazing. And then um, 26 years ago, he actually wrestled Sid, who was part of that same angle at SummerSlam 96. Yes. Yeah, yeah SummerSlam 96, yes. So, so um, you know, I thought a couple of relevant sort of Bulldog-related you know, anniversary. You know, um, you know, SummerSlam, even going back to the Bulldogs, such an history with mm. um, with SummerSlam, and obviously I cover it in the book. Mm. Um, and I remember doing a I remember doing a social media post about it last year. It's obviously twelve months ago now, which is mm. scary. But um, yes, yeah, so you're talking eighty eight. They wrestled the Rougeos to the. That is a classic. It was absolutely fantastically executed match, but yeah. it led to. Yes, between the, the the guys, which led to the the sucker punch and was yeah. the downfall of the Bulldogs as a team and certainly mm. as Tom uh, as a single star, um, and then obviously ninety two we've got Brett ninety uh, yes uh, Davy and Brett ninety four was Davy's big return. Mm. Um, in the cage match. During the cage match, yeah. uh, Brett and Owen. And yeah, it just sort of went on and on from there. And I, I think it's something that gets overlooked. Brett's obviously got quite an iconic history at SummerSlam, and Dave is very much linked to that as well. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, being a, a massive Bret Hart mark, especially with this match, you know, looking back on his history a year before his classic match with Mr. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Brett and Owen, I think next to this one, is one of my favourite matches Yeah, you ever. just can't, can't take your eyes off it, can you? no. And I mean, what happened in '95? Let's 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 ignore what happened in '95, <laughs> shall we? Him and the dentist. Anyway, shall we roll into it? Yeah. Before we run out of too much more road, um, I would say, all right, we're probably ready. Synchronized right. watches. Three, three, two, one. <laughs> one. Mine's gone out. Right, yeah. bear with, bear with. Rewind, yeah. sorry. Uh, Rule Britannia has just hit. All right. All right. Here comes Lennox Lewis. Right. He was uh, he was Commonwealth and European heavyweight champion at the time and within a matter of months would be world heavyweight champion. But it's like... I... Was there much sort of... Um, recognition i don't i wasn't familiar with boxing at this point was he obviously looking back at it, he's a massive name we yeah, know what he became was there it, that it, kind of recognition then it, 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 the olympics had what i met him so i think the 88 
plucked that out of my mind, but I think it was the 88 Olympics that he competed for Britain in and won. So, right. um, yeah, it was very, it was very mainstream at the time. Yeah. So, yeah, Davy, yeah, I mean, I've, I've probably overanalyzed it, given my research and everything, but there's a particular moment there, and on mine, is just, he's just sort of punched the air, and I think he puffs his chest out a little bit there, and I think that is absolute flood of relief coming over him and he feels comfort in his own skin again because um, he's had a torrid, torrid few months. So yeah. just as the background, um, he uh, failed a drugs test in April. So he'd had a, he'd had a, he'd had a Stella 91, um, which was his comeback after the Bulldogs era, the Bulldogs had left his yeah. comeback. Had a stellar 91, getting pushed strong. Had a real strong showing at the 92 Rumble, which was the one that Flair won the title at. Mm. Obviously, a historic 92 Rumble event. Um, Davey was number one entrant, lasted most of the match. Yeah. Um, real, real strong showing. It was Flair that eliminated him. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it's sort of getting pushed strong, very strong. Um, and then rather catastrophically had a failed drugs test in, in April at, at the point when Vince was having to crack down on it because of uh, the heat was very yeah. much on him because of everything that was going on um, behind the scenes. And so um, it were a bit of a bit of a no tolerance or certainly less tolerance, tolerance than it had been. So it were an immediate six week suspension for that mm-hmm. failed drugs test. Um, at that point, it, you know, David were already struggling with his back and his knees, uh, already having to take quite a lot of painkillers for that. And so when he came back, he uh, came back from injury, they introduced him back. I think, it, I think it was actually the 1st of June, he got introduced back, um, won a battle royal, and they um, went and made him go on this winning streak really getting pushed back strong but he were winning he were winning his matches in really short order mm. and was still you know not in his peak cardiovascular condition no. I think because of the layoff um obviously Brett says in his book that you know at that time Davey was a little you know on the verge of going a little bit off the rails and living in Florida and spending a lot of time with Jim Nida you know yeah um, and so when he came back and then and then he in July, so I think six week after it went in sort of six week segments, he had a six week layoff with the suspension and then uh six weeks back in action, but only doing these sort of short matches. He'd had a match with Iron Mike Sharp, mm-hmm. short match, and um was having to take painkillers for his knee after the match, wasn't sure what he'd done. Again, the painkillers have got that troublesome trait of masking what might be the, the root cause and he'd yeah. blown his knee out in the match and didn't really know because the, the painkillers were masking the problem largely yeah. and so um, when he went to bed that night in the hotel staying, staying away from home um, he woke up dripping with sweat pure agony screaming in agony because the painkillers had wore off and it turned out his knee was just completely shot um, he was uh, he ultimately got a staff infection for that and he didn't wrestle again. They'd already got this match penciled in. So just to begin a bit of background about this match mm-hmm. uh, or this event, sorry, uh, they originally planned to have SummerSlam 92 in Washington, DC. Yeah. Um, 
and it was planned that Sean would be challenging Brett and possibly even going over. That's that's okay. Um, for the, for the for the IC belt, and it were only the the surge in popularity off the back of Davy um, that made Vince eye up this huge event in the UK and at Wembley mm. Stadium. Um, and so they pivoted and it was largely Brett that sold Vince on the idea. Right. Around that time as well, Brett was selling Vince on the idea of a ladder match, which ultimately yeah. um, they, they did one, they did one in a house show up behind closed doors or down yeah. while Brett and Sean had a ladder match, which went spectacularly well. Yeah. Um, and that were all Brett's idea from him doing it with dynamite and stampede. Yeah. So the idea was that with the IC belt on the line, it would be Sean versus Brett at some point around this time. And they'd got SummerSlam 92 lined up at when, uh, in Washington, D.C. for that. And it right. ran the introduction of Davey, uh, him, going, him being over so strong in the UK and it's the, the UK's tours being so strong that they, um, they decided to pivot and go to this event and obviously wanted David to go over. Um, so that's why... It's only Davy's reign only tragically ends up being sort of fifty nine days, and it's Sean that gets the belt over. Right, because it were always planned. It were always planned that he would be the next heel yeah. champion. Um, after Brett tends to obviously go like that, doesn't it? Heel champion, babyface champion, as they pass it on through. Yeah. So that the plan was that Sean was going to be the next champion, and so Davy okay. Davy gets the belt more than justifiably is over well enough to. Um, to be the IC champion at the stage, mm. there's no doubt about it. Uh, and I don't think there's any hint of him being a transitional champion. I know he will. I was going to say that, yeah, because that's it's it's a bit harsh, isn't it, when you look at some of the yeah, others that have had... Into that, uh, I just think it was always going to be short next because mm. they've, got, they've gone from babyface champion to babyface champion. Yeah. It's easy enough for him to say, we're still on track to yeah. have short next. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's how we ended up here at uh, here at Wembley Stadium, and it was Brett that sold Vince the idea. And, I think um, I I think it fits perfectly. You were talking about Davy's push in '91, and again the early part of '92, and I think this this fit with that. Oh, I did. Know, there needs to be there needed to be a payoff there for him. And in the um, and it's perfect for that. And in the the shuffle that was happening post um, Hogan and Warrior. I mean, I know Warrior's in the title match. Of this mm. event, Warriors' days have been over to the level that it was a well, a well gone, and yeah. uh, in the post, as they wanted to ease to a post steroid era, yeah. uh, obviously Warrior couldn't be the no, man. Uh, no. So, so there's there's a bit of a shuffle going on. Flair has come in, is yeah. uh, he gets the belt briefly? Amazing work from Davy on my screen there. Um, and, um, but the, Flair again never truly, truly settled into the WWF. Um, yeah. And Vince always loved to have long-term babyface champions with you know, yeah. defending, all, defending against all comers. Mm. Flair were always going to be a heel in the WWF. Yeah, yeah. Kind of needs to have a belt, have the belt to carry off that trope, to carry off that. Yes. You know, it kind of needs that. And so it would just never a match made in heaven at this stage one weren't Flair and the WWF were never going to work out. No. So if you take Flair out of the equation, post Hogan, a post warrior, mm. even Savage has, has probably passed his true peak, yeah. certainly in Vince's eyes at this point. I think we're trying to 
uh, move him into a more uh, commentary based yeah. Um There was a shuffle going on for who were going to be the man, and, and David was absolutely in that mix, rightfully so. Hmm. Um, and as this match attests to, but then again, the, the, the catastrophic thing is obviously that he has um, he has his his second sort of drug offence. Yeah, comes uh, within two months of this match. That causes the sort of early uh, belt transition over Change. to yeah, Sean, and and then he has to be let go because because of the set the first one. Yeah, at this no zero tolerance time. Mm. Um, it was just wrong place at wrong time and. Unfortunately, he had to be almost made. I mean, you know, it's justified, but he almost had to be made a an example of. Yeah, and he, he, him and Warrior, and I think I think yeah I think was happy in that scenario to um, to to see Warrior down the road again. He was sort of almost a poster boy for that steroid era. Yeah. What to move away from, and then with that drug offence, which for those who don't know, it was uh, about. Um, they discovered that growth hormone was less um, likely to show up on testing than the natural steroids. Okay. Um, and so Ultimate Royal was getting, after this event, uh, Ultimate Royal were getting shipments of growth hormone right. um, delivered uh, overseas, going through customs. Once they got flagged up, with Vince being very much under the spotlight as it was, um, it, it, it was, right, sorry, I've got to make an absolute example here where you're yeah. down the road, at which point um, Jim Elwig's sung like a canary and implicated <laughs> Davey, saying that Davey had hooked him up with this guy in, in Britain. Now, right. heard different stories of Davey's level of implication into that. From what I can gather, it will literally, oh yeah, try him over there. Yeah, I that, see, that, just a, yeah. Uh, recommendation oh. rather than a yeah so so he, he weren't anywhere near as guilty as no. uh, as Jim and the first incident I think I mean, the, the story is Dave's excuse in the first one was that it it'd been in a room where they're all smoking pot and other things were going on and it it sort of failed a drugs test nah. almost as a third party you know um so that that worries events at that time so it certainly cost itself and other people did as a bit more of a victim and uh, a victim of circumstances yeah so I say Vince, Vince is obviously very nervous around this time and... oh very nervous yeah and I think that was Davis' point especially for the first one mm. um, his point why people have been getting away with far worse than this exactly. for a lot of yeah he just happened to be the next one that got caught. at that time yeah um and so, yeah, one thing led to another. It was a shame because, as I say, we're very much in the shuffle for um, for that, that main event slot, I think, um, around this time. And then he ended up in WCW and, mm. and then coming back eventually. And sort of to say his career was a roller coaster, his personal life was a roller coaster yeah. from, that, from that point on. Uh, it'd be a bit of an understatement, but obviously... Yeah. When you see how this match finishes and, you know... It's, it's such a momentous occasion. I, I don't think anyone can not feel goosebumps when they watch this back. And then just to kind of see where he was. I I didn't know a lot about his WCW run at the time, I think, because it was hard to kind of get WCW programming over here in the UK in sort of 93. 
Um, but looking back on it, it's it, it's a shame they not more was done with him. But it didn't whether it was they didn't know what to do with him or whether it, he didn't have the time there or, or whatever. His first WCW had some superb matches, and it were actually you could argue it were at his peak. He watched yeah. performances against Vader in particular, the strength and the athleticism mm. is just off the off the chart. Yeah. Um, but I think again, WCW, as opposed to they were they carried on the NWA tradition of having a a heel champion, yeah. which had Flair had the belt so much. Yeah. Yeah, and Vader was that champion at the time. Davey was one of his main challengers. They had a lot of good matches, a lot of good matches on pay per view. Mm. He never, he, he never went over or got the belt uh, ultimately, and then it all ended there in a sorry fashion as well. Uh, we're having a rivalry with uh, Rick Rude. Felt that's, that's a that's a match I would have loved to have seen. Yeah, that's you know. yeah, some amazing matches. Yeah, we're Regal as well. Yeah, we really took pride some... in the. And showing the British style off there, yeah. Um, and yeah, he uh, when they had a UK tour, he felt hard done to about what he wore recompense. They didn't feel that he'd been um, rewarded financially as he'd been promised he would before mm. for being the man on the on the European and UK tours. That led to a bit of a standoff between him and Eric Bischoff that ultimately led to him uh, him leaving. Yeah. And, uh, I and just just to change tracks here, just something that I'm watching this part of the match back that I remember from back then is you see a few spots creep in here where Brett is taking on the heel, sort of. Yeah, um, yeah he knows the he knows Esther, and that's I think fight you can see how brilliant he is at that ear. And, and that, that yeah, time, at the time, five years later, five years at, later in '97, he texts on that persona full yeah. time. Where he, he is still. Largely a baby face a lot, but he's just antagonizing and just it's the, yeah, it's the, it's the subtle things. Um, and it's more in the match than in his general demeanor or anything like that. You know, yeah. you, don't, you don't treat the fans like idiots where he comes out one day smiling, 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 and then frowning and yeah. calling everybody names. And you know, it, it's it's so subtle the difference, yeah, between face heel and heel, baby, uh, heel, Brett, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's just a bit. I at the word. time I wasn't really familiar with his his heel run with the Heart Foundation. That this was still early days for me. So seeing him like that was really odd for me. I didn't yeah. I didn't like it, but sort of looking back now, this moment here, if you're at the same point I am, hopefully, where he's just done a dive over the yeah. over the ropes outside. Yeah. Am I right in thinking that was that wasn't how it was meant to be? Was he meant to come down on him? Do you know in a typical kind of Plants just sort of dive at a body press and Davey wasn't in the right position and he had to go behind yeah, him. I think, I think that is one of the the, the, the sort of accusations that Davey misses a few spots in this match and then mm. that the, the the link is that that's to the fact that obviously he hadn't he, he wasn't in ultimate peak condition and he was mm. gassed, you know, that that's what yeah says in his book is that Davey was completely he sort of forgot a lot of what they'd agreed. Mm. But what I think, the way that I've told it in the book, I've sort of missed out the bit about, um, you know, his party animal with Jim Nida. Mm. Um, I, I, I chose in the end not to include that. I did include it in an early draft, but a contributor who asked to remain anonymous yeah. um, was quite vehement that that shouldn't be put in there. Um, right. And 
whilst whilst I I haven't done it as a negative thing, you know, part of the part of the old book is that we're kind of kind of living a bit of the lives of rock stars at the time. I think mm. that that's just a fact. Um, yeah. So I haven't put it as oh, this reckless guy was no. I'd, I'd never put that. It, it, it was never on the agenda. Not it, it's not for Tom. It's not for Brett. Uh, for David. It, it's that they were living this. They were living this lifestyle. They were still such young men. They were living this lifestyle um, where they were performing every single night to this extraordinary level. But boy, were they letting their hair down. You yeah. Know? And so, and, and the other thing with Davey was he, he loved his wrestling so much. It was his life. And um, the, it's no coincidence that the various times when he went sort of a little bit, um, you know, um, off, uh, off, off the piece, rails. But, well, when he was out of the ring, you know, and yeah. wrestling, it'd been, it's been, it'd been wrestling since he was 15. That's what sort of centered him, I think. Um, again, just based on everything that I've read and seen. Mm. And so I hadn't, I had never written it as, oh, is, yeah, oh, damn you, David. Boy. You know, <laughs> I'd never, I'd never written it. Like, no, oh, no. My God. You know, he's got this big match coming up. What is he going to do? You know, he's, he's sort of, um, uh, crossroads in his life, blah blah blah. Yeah. You know, and the way that I'd written it was that he went from that to have this event, this performance, this mm. spectacular event that you know, out of nowhere, sort of an amazing recovery story from that point because yeah. it, it it was a repeated event from you know going back to his the things that happened with him and Tom uh, going to the car crash that almost killed him. Mm. Uh, this injury and struggles around here he gets a, you know, the staff infection, uh, a knee injury that's plaguing him here. Yeah, he goes and has this performance. Mm. And then even all the way up to getting completely written off in 1999 as he might die. Um, yeah. it, there's a good chance he'll be in a wheelchair forever yeah. when he was suffering this, this real back injury and infection. But certainly his career is absolutely definitely over. Yeah. Um, and yet he made a comeback and had another run in the WWF pay, uh, main event of pay-per-views again. Mm. So it was a common theme that I wanted to put across, but just Davey's resilience and how he overcome Yeah, oh no. And kept on doing that. So that's what I'd written. I still write it that way, but without that, because once I had that sort of challenge on that, I didn't yeah. feel... Um, I sort of had this bit of a... Um, role. Not hard and fast, but, you know, I had... To, for, for anything negative and controversial, I, I needed more sources that yeah. that um, that backed it up than said it didn't, and that didn't what points yeah. it one one source which was yeah. against this other source, and so uh, at that point I thought, well, if kind of um, I can take that out and tell the same story without it. Um, I have noticed that I think two um, not negative reviews. Uh, on Amazon from customers on Amazon have put uh, almost accused me of whitewashing that little a little bit right, uh, okay. because I hadn't included it I don't see it that way no um, as long as you've got reasons for it I mean that, that's perfectly understandable you know just to be told any anyone can come to you and say this is my side of it you're not going to write it in you're yeah. not going to say something unless it's corroborated you know you've got to be careful that's what I mean and I've never yeah. had anybody say that it wasn't true. I trust mm. Brett's book implicitly, by the way. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. He has actually said to me on the phone, not dropping names there, I'll say <laughs> it. I on the phone. And he did say to me, you can trust my book implicitly. You know, we weren't talking about this 
in, we weren't talking about this event or this incident. No. We were talking about the Jacques Rougeau dynamite incident. Oh, it's yeah, a, yeah. He said, um, I'm, I stand by my version of events. I've heard a lot of version of events of that. Right. I stand by my version of events of the book. He told me that Dave Meltzer regularly has told him on quite a few occasions that he, as in Dave Meltzer, mm. um, regularly refers back to Brett's book because he trusts it, he trusts its accuracy. Yeah. Um, Brett were actually keeping diaries and uh, quite a bit of a dictaphone at the time, talking okay. about what, what he was doing and what were happening. That's why his dates are so accurate. Right. So, uh, he stands by it as a for its accuracy. Um, That's good. I I, I love his. I, so, so you know, I love his book. I think it's just, uh, it's my it's my it's my favorite book. Right. Yeah. But it, it it just picked Mick Foley's. Um, in terms of my favourite, probably not even wrestling book, probably sports book, if I'm honest. Okay. Um, I think it's magnificent, mm. work of art. And I think it, that, that it's just like Brett with everything. It took so much pride in it. It didn't rush it out there. It didn't do it in 1996. It didn't do it in 1998 immediately after. I, I was going to say he had the perfect he chance there, but. Yeah, you know, like almost 10 years after that, sort of 2005, yeah. 2006, he finally brought it out, spent so much time on it. Um, again, just having that pride in. Yeah. yeah. In a, in nobody a... nobody would want to read a book that he wrote, I don't think, in 98. It would end on such a sour and dramatic point. I think the, leaving yeah. it... Or, or even then if it were after, immediately after Owen or... You know, Quite, yeah. Taking that time and mm. applying the context and, and yeah. making it such a fantastic work of art that it is. So, yeah, um, I, I sort of do trust its accuracy, but again, yeah. I sort of have this, this rule about one sources equaling each other out and uh, at that yeah. point I would neutralize it and um, yeah. uh, and not include it or I might ask Ross how what he thought he yeah. said he couldn't give me a certain answer one way or the other so so at that point I thought you know I just sort of reworded it it were only, it, it were only a couple of sentences yeah um anyway yeah uh, and I still think I told that story about Davey overcoming the demons to have so when I said at the start of this when he were doing his walkout and he seen punch the air and perform his chest if you look at him just before that you could argue, he, and in, the, in his promo, I think he looks nervous. He does, do and I was going to, yeah. as part of this, I was yeah. hoping to play the promos. Davy's promo is... Yeah, it's... It, it's when you compare the two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brett's on it, and I was exactly what to say. Yeah. Davey's, Davey looks nervous. He looks like yeah. he's trying to convince you that he isn't nervous. Yeah. And I think for that, it, given the fact that once you know everything that he's been through the previous two or three months... Um, it makes perfect he's sense. He's hardly wrestled. Um, mm. He's got injuries. He's carrying injuries as we speak. Um, yeah. He's in front of this crowd with this pressure. You can see. You can see why he would be nervous. And I think once he puffs his chest out, the crowd get behind him. He sees all the U Union Jack flags. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a flood of relief, and I think that's what leads to this performance. So yeah, I think the problem is with people. Obviously, Brett's book sold however many hundreds yeah, of yeah, yeah. copies. I think it's easy for people to look at that and then overanalyze Davis' performance. Yeah. There's a couple of missed spots, maybe, that you could argue that the accusations that he, he, um, he lost his way a little bit and all that. But you wouldn't know. And I mean, this, this got, my other question was going to be could he have had this kind of performance with anyone else that night besides Brett? I'd, I'd just say probably not. Um, because I think even that missed spot on the outside that I brought up, I mean, the fact I remember it is because it was such a brutal move. 
it's it's you know and it would look like it was meant to be and it's only sort of more recently that i found that actually that probably wasn't meant to happen the way brett did it but the fact that brett can recover from that think in midair how am i going to turn this out he's not quite where he's supposed to be but together they both made it look like it was supposed to happen and it made it seem more real and that's what i loved about this match that there was sort of real drama behind it you know you could totally believe it and and yeah brett's promo before the before this match was was one that i would learn repeat myself back then i absolutely loved his is a bit like the one that he 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 made before his match in 94 against Owen. I think it's just you believe him. You don't yeah. think he's been rehearsing it. It's... There's no wasted, there's no, there's no like wasted um over the top no. uh, actions in what it does. Everything's so deliberate yeah. um, and believable. Yeah. And that's what that's what he built his whole career on. Yeah. Um, the way they built this match up beforehand as well, with you know, talking to Diana in the oh. in the crowd and stuff. I mean, they made it. This was about as genuine as I think it could wrestling Bill, could. The one off. They've done it, they've done it, and again, I tell it in the book, but they've done it 10 years earlier. Obviously, that was on a much smaller scale, but they've mm. done it as a one off uh, for Stampede. Right. Just a small, a, a small show. Um, neither of them had any major program going at the time, mm. and they decided they were both babyface at the time. Again, Brett's idea is he writes it. Why don't we have an old babyface match for the mm. North American heavyweight title? Brett was holding it at the time. Um, they thought it was going to be an odd thing to do. All babyface match, they were both like really popular. Mm. Um, and they had this amazing match and built it up in the same way that they built this one up. And that's how Brett managed to sell it to Vince. We've done it before, we'll do it again. Yeah. On this much huger, grander scale. Yeah. So that's when, when you really start to peel off the layers of that onion and you look at what it ended up producing 10 years yeah. later on this, this grandest scale of them all. Yeah. Um, and then it ends, obviously, as it does with the fireworks and Diana being in the ring in between. Yeah, it was perfect. It was, it, I, it's, it's Shakespearean, man. It is. It is. It is. I think they, they one of the other... I don't know if we spoke about it last time that we, we chatted, but one of the other massive matches... Um, linked to both these two is Canadian Stampede in '97, yeah. the ten-man tag. I, I, I don't remember that as fondly. I didn't think around about that time that was a fantastic match. But the drama, again, the story behind it, and right at the end when it's the ring is full of the Hart family. Yeah. I mean, that's big, you know. And especially in the middle of his real kind of heel turn, to have a reaction from a crowd quite like he had at that event. That's because of the authenticity that, you know, they That's they it. knew, they, they, they'd been watching him for 20 years at that yeah. point. They knew what him, and especially how he's so popular, Dave, he's so popular yeah. with that people. Um, yeah, it, it was of its time and nothing mm. will be reproduced like that, that passion. Uh, yeah. That And again, here, I think uh, I'm right in saying, I think um, David, despite the fact that the had quite a few matches in the end, I think maybe three that I can think of, so singles matches, David goes over in this one, Brett goes over in the other two. Mm. Uh, yeah, David is one of the few people to have the sharpshooter on him multiple, multiple times and never tap out, which I think, I think that's great that Brett almost gave him that because that puts him on the way, you know. That yeah. makes him look strong. 
everybody yeah. everybody else is tapping the moment that goes on at this point. Exactly, yeah. and he's made it he, to the road. Flair does it just a couple of months later when Brett wins yeah. the Flair. Um, and then it goes to this, you know. And I think it's almost like, here we go. It's, yeah. I, I, Iconic. Uh, and that roll-up, nobody saw it coming. I, I didn't see that coming, that anyone uh, could win a match like that. It's a little bit like, I suppose, um, the way that Owen won at WrestleMania. You didn't see it coming. No, exactly. Um, it's just something um, quite simple. And, um, yeah, the iconic commentary from Vince here about one of the greatest matches we've ever seen. And, you know, but just everything, you couldn't almost... You know, if if you'd have done multiple rehearsals mm. of of the whole event from the commentary moments to yeah. the the visuals to the performances to to the ending with the fireworks, you couldn't get a better take. You know, it's amazing, yeah. really, how, how, it, how it came together the way it did. Yeah, yeah, and I, I and for for an event like this to end on there, it was it was probably always going to be the plan because it was in England and that. But for for a major event to end with the, the IC title match. Again, I hadn't seen that before, you know, it always ended with oh, the world well, title. It was, purely, it, it, it was purely, you know, and I think Brett writes it that he convinced Vince of that. His exact words were, nobody will be able to follow us. No. And I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine uh, Jim Elwig coming out after this? <laughs> <laughs> no. no, I mean, I could imagine, I think one of the other matches that they probably want on the main broadcast um, around just before this was Tatanka and, and the Berserker. I mean, can you imagine what the crowd would have been like for that yeah. one? You know, a little bit more placid than they already were. Yeah, no. It's, uh, I don't know, I, 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 I wasn't sure, you know, at this point they could have followed through with this and had Brett turn heel. That would have been a little bit of a, a oh, no. predictable end. It was too old. The, mo- the moment he goes back to the States, or back yeah. to- that's, that's ruined altogether. Exactly. Um, it's, it's just good acting, really. It it's is. It's brilliant. Pure, that pure frustration is acting like yeah. he believes a man of his competitive nature should, yeah. should act. I mean, you've got to give it to Diana in this because she is oh, yeah. Plays obviously, the part, obviously emotional, yeah. you know, isn't it? Yeah. And what, what, what was Brett saying to him then? What do you reckon? Well, Brett, you know? Brett, again, in his book, he writes that he, he felt that went on a little bit too long. And he, he, think, he thinks they've got it slight. I don't when you watch it. I think, I think, it, perfect. I think it builds up perfectly. Yeah. And then they kick the music in again straight after. Yeah. He thinks, and it's probably more worry on his part. He thinks if this don't work out, if we don't get this moment yeah. right, we kind of ruin the story. Yeah. So it'll probably just worry his time that it weren't going to come off or D- and Davey might turn around and celebrate again. Uh, so mm-hmm. he, I think he wanted to get the embracing and the handshake done yeah. a little bit earlier and a little bit quicker. Um, but I think it builds up to a perfect, like, dramatic. It does, yeah. Yeah, and that iconic image, you see this everywhere <laughs> still today, you know, and, and here we are, think, you know, talking about... Like you say, 30 years later, what are the matches from from then are we still talking about like this one? I mean, 92 no, is... You won't, you won't. And that, like, that's, it's nothing against anybody at no, all. They not, just couldn't, saying, they couldn't talk. It's not this. saying that Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar or whoever you might name isn't as good as these guys are or isn't as, you know, um, talented. Yeah. Whatever it might be. 
Uh, it's just of its time. Now, how much credit you give to, to these guys for it being that, again, I would give them lots of credit and say that they deserve everything they get. And that's why it's iconic is because of them. But whether it's because we've seen it, so nothing can quite follow that. You're into like the, the Beatles argument, aren't they? You know, no matter how good any... No matter how good any rock band are, they'll never be the Beatles because the Beatles no. did it first. So is is it a bit of that? Is it just the fact that these guys did this event and this performance with the pyro and the fireworks and the commentary at this time? And so after, when it's done equally as good five years later and then 10 years later and then 15 mm. years later, it doesn't quite have that same... No. Um, no. It, it probably is something to do with that as well. I don't know. It's just of its time. And it is. Unique. I think, per yeah, perfect setting, perfect story. You know, perfect match. Won't say the perfect event. It's still definitely up there as one of my favourites. I'll always go back and, it's got to and watch it. Um, but you know, and it, it's not just that we're um, we remember it so fondly because it's here in the UK. I know that even in the US, mm. um, I'm on with I'm on I'm on Wrestle Post with John Pollock actually on the 29th on the okay, uh, cool. on the anniversary. You know, it's not something that they take lightly either. No. Um, you have to talk about it. No. You know, I mean, they, you could, I, every pay-per-view in the US has got an, a 30th anniversary at the minute or every yeah. <laughs> 25th anniversary if you're going back to 97. Yeah. So, you know, you don't have this every month or every six months, do you? But no. even they recognise the 30th anniversary of Summer Slam 92 has been a special event. That's, that's special. I, I, even though I'm not really, I won't be paying much attention to Clash at Castle. I, I, I don't think you can compare the two. It's a completely different time. No, it's um, a nod. It's a nod. It's a nod of respect. I think the fact that they're bringing it over. Yeah. I'd like, I'd like to have seen them try Wembley as the ultimate um, anniversary special, but. <laughs> Would, would would that have just highlighted the fact that they can't follow that? I was about to say that, you know, why, yeah, would that just bring the wrong kind of comparisons? Yeah. Because you know, it's, it's never going to be the same, you know. That's, uh, but there we go. Even if, um, I, don't, I, I don't even know the card. I, I would imagine Roman Reigns is against Drew McIntyre. That's what they've been theorising for months and months. Um, yeah, is... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I read that Karrion Cross had come back and um, ejected himself into it somehow, but I don't know. I don't oh, know. okay. Okay. I mean, if if McIntyre was going to win, you know, is it too predictable? Back in 92, you may have been able to say the same thing. You know, it's in England, the Bulldogs got to go over, but it probably was never a given, you know, that that he would. Oh, I mean, I mean, would have said, you'd have said that in 97 against Sean, wouldn't you? But <laughs> there we go. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. There. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. There we go. No, that's been a pleasure reliving that with you and having yeah, your insight no, there, mate. That's, that's fantastic. And it's it's certainly, you know, it helps put... The, the amount of times I watch that match, I think I'm learning something new from it all the time anyway, because you're always looking at it differently. And, um, and I think you definitely, you know, definitely given a lot more background in there um which is which is fantastic it's just it's just fascinating when you when you couple it up with what an iconic event it is and and just the level of execution that were involved mm. to know that it were kind of all in disarray in the months yeah. especially davis fitness and um mm. and health and, and one thing and another and i think you it just 
almost makes you appreciate it even more how well they pulled it off on the night. Yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, going back to our last conversation, and you said that your this wasn't even your favourite match of, of Brett and Davies. It was probably actually the In Your House 5 one or that you preferred that one. I Again, I didn't like that one because I was always very fond of, of SummerSlam. And I thought that one was just too brutal. I didn't really buy into to Davies as a heel. Reading your book since we've last spoken and, and learning more about the matches they had in Stampede, which then you can compare that In Your House one too. I got a completely different kind of respect yeah, well, for it. I think, I think I followed the same journey. Um, it was only when, um, through all the research and everything, that you realise the only way that they could follow that was to roll back the years and have yeah. an old stampede type match. Yeah. Uh, and again, to pull that off in that environment when mm. uh, Lady was embargoed and yeah, they had to sort of do that to 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 really get that reaction, and the crowd are frenzied yeah. during that what's going on. Uh, and so, yeah, I it, that I don't think at the time. I think if you'd have played them both to me side by side three years ago, I think I'd have gone, "Oh, there's only one winner. Look at that." So yeah. <laughs> but I think as you as I, as I learnt more and more about it, um, again the the Davy Owen. European title match in 97 when uh, in Germany. Yeah. Uh, to watch them pull that off, what they did there, mm. again, knowing once I'd done all the research and knew how close they were as individuals, how they were both such students of the game, especially these European styles. Yeah. Uh, integrated into that match. It gives you so much more of an appreciation of what they're actually doing. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I'm, I'm just sort of such a huge fan. I think particularly if Davies after this, I'm always like a fan of Davies, but um to see him have all these classic matches in different circumstances and knowing that we're going through you know different hardships at the time uh just so much respect for the guy i looking back at his title reigns actually it's, it's a shame firstly i didn't realize how many matches he had as as ic champion because you didn't really see it you know if you didn't watch tv or whatever i mean since there's been so many that i've found where he that he had and he was recognized as yeah um and i i felt he didn't you know i don't link him with the the intercontinental title like i do others like you know perfect and brett and everything i think though davy is the the only one in my mind that made the european title worth anything um, it's yeah, such a shame to see how that deteriorated because that was what happened so quickly after he lost it. And again, you can yeah. dig deep no matter what how much the click yeah. um had involvement they had in that. Just didn't I like was, to see something else. Um I was there and, the night that he lost it in Birmingham. And, yeah, before, yeah. And I um I was ecstatic at the time, I must admit, because I'm a massive Shawn Michaels fan. Didn't again, I wasn't a massive well, yeah. fan of that, but but no, he just turned deal and he just turned deal, and that was that were his argument for winning it is the amount of heat that he'd get to turn yeah. it. Um, was what yeah. He made. But, but but going back further than that, Davy had Davy had been given the European title indefinitely. Mm. You know, it had almost been invented for him so that yeah. they could, so that they could replicate what they'd done at SummerSlam '92. Yeah, by having the European title on top because yeah. it was legitimately more important in Europe. Yeah. Than the, the the big belt um because it was the European title and yeah. the European champion as Davy Boy yeah. held it and he was he was the the, the wrestling champion of Europe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so it was it was succinct, it was apt, it was 
um, it gave him something that he deserved, mm. uh, something to be proud of. And I do think, in, in the old idea was that every time they came to Europe, they would pack out arenas, particularly in the UK, mm. but all over Europe by having him on top defending that European title. Yeah. But that was the first match in Europe with it, and he lost it. I know. And I mean, yeah, it did well for the whole story they were building, I suppose, um, heading into, you know, tail end of the year. But looking back on it, it didn't do any favours for it because then he passed it over to Triple H and it just became a real kind of throwaway time, you know. Um, yeah, nothing against Valvinus and D'Lo Brown and all that. But, you know, once it was just getting passed around like confetti, yeah. um, being, yeah. used, being used as a... Um, just a, a tall model. Yeah. I mean, William William era. Regal probably, it's one until William yeah, Regal yeah, had, again, it, had any kind of credibility again. Give it some legitimacy again. Yeah. 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 There we go. Anyway, we digress. So, <laughs> anyway, before we wrap up again, Steve, thank you so much for your time. Guys, you have got to go out, if you haven't already, got to go out and buy this book. You will not regret it. Be like Mick Foley, read it in three sittings. Very, very easy to do once you get into it. So not that it's just like be, a, a, an like, easy read. Just be like Mick Foley in general, you know. Just be like Mick Foley. There you go. You never know. He might be talking about it on his podcast at some point. I haven't actually listened to it yet. So never know. Never know. Anyway, Steve, thank you. Thank you again so much. All the best with everything that you've got coming up. The audio book as well when it comes out. And, you know, and, and, and stay tuned for even more massive names in the wrestling world picking up your book and raving about it. Hopefully, touch wood. Yeah. Touch wood, yeah. <laughs> I think so. Anyway, so until uh, we meet again, sir, take it easy. Thanks for having me, mate. No Sweet worries. Season. Cheers, mate. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.